were really sloppy with the puck in the first period. When they got beaten transition in the second period. That's really it. I mean, the turnover stuff early on, just careless with the puck, and it's all our best players. Really, really careless to start the game. Uh, so that didn't give us a chance to take a hold of the game. Makes you want to be able to do on home ice. Um, so we weren't able to take, take charge of the game, and then you let your opponent hang around. We've seen this, this movie before. Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590 The Fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Not as fun when you don't score a bunch of goals and your leading goal scorer goes wanting as the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs welcome Connor Bedard to Scotiabank Arena and then uh, hand him a 4-1 victory. The Blackhawks off to a surprising little 2-2 two two start to the season. Uh, Leafs, they drop to 2-1. and one, First loss of the year and it comes on home ice, Brent. Not what you want. Uh, I would, I guess, I would say Connor Bedard welcomed himself to Scotiabank because the Leafs, uh, you know, really rolled out the red carpet there. Although Bedard held pointless, so you know, mission accomplished. Oh, yeah. I guess not really though. Hang the banner. The game. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. You can put it up there with the Preds President's Trophy banner, uh, the old uh, that they've now got rid of, the like thirty-five Raptors division banners that they just yeah. Like, How about just one? Which yeah. is a great move, by the way, <laughs> by the Raps. But yeah, uh, last night. That was your first, ah, okay. It's back to regular season. It's like, yeah, we're not going to just have a year of being shot out of a cannon and Matthews is going to have a hat trick every night. And hey, there were still lots of fun moments in that game. The Leafs looked dangerous for stretches, but man, that was uh, far and away the worst game of the season. Yeah, uh, hard to argue that one. Um, Yeah, you're right. There were exciting moments in the game. And yeah, Austin Matthews did not start his season with three consecutive hat tricks, but not for a lack of trying. Nine shots on goal. Yeah, had his looks. For for Matthews. So only once last season did he have more uh, or nine shots on goal or more. And he already does it in game three after a couple of hat tricks to start the season. He led all forwards in shorthanded ice time. The power Mm -hmm. kill was in full display as him and Marner. And I mean... Him at the end of a, a, a penalty-killing shift, stealing the puck and getting a shot on goal was was unbelievable. So, I, yeah, I, I I think we should all, and not that anyone would come off of it, be of the belief that Austin Matthews is still on pace for maybe a career year for a guy that's already scored 60 goals. Awesome year for Matthews. He definitely turned it on later as the game went on. But, I mean, through at least the first two periods, you look at the eye test, you look at the numbers, and the Bedard line was outplaying them head-to-head at, mm-hmm. at five-on-five. And, you know, hey, Connor Bedard is exactly who we think he is. You know, I think we all, uh, although I, I guess we all have that one buddy out there who's like, I don't know, I need to see a little more. We've all seen enough with Bedard. He's one of these guys, but... I don't think a guy in his fourth NHL game, you want to be out playing your MVP heart trophy guy. And again, yeah. Bedard special, but it was definitely a turn it on performance from Matthews. And, you know, not to say he was bad in the, the first two periods of that game, but his line got outplayed. Honestly, I felt like through the first two periods, the only line of the Leafs that I felt like was dominating stretches was the Nylander Tavares Yarncroc line. I mean, part of that's just Nylander looking is resplendent right now, but yeah, it's resplendent. Did, you like that one? Yeah, that's really good. Thought you would six oh three in the morning. We're dropping a resplendent. Okay, yeah, but, th- but it's my six oh three to me is like twelve fifteen to most people. Like this is my <laughs> time to shine. By eleven o'clock, useless. You won't get any no. resplendents. No, you get good. <laughs> <laughs> but spelled like G-U-D, not right. even with two O's. With like an umlaut. Yeah, exactly. No, not even. That's too much work. Just okay. like, it's good. Yeah. yeah, just like that. No, uh, William Nylander was good. Uh, set up the only <laughs> Leafs goal yesterday, which uh, with an unbelievable rush through the center of the ice, setting up uh, John Navarro's one-timer uh, to the back of the net. Um, yeah, it's an interesting point you make about yeah, the top line getting outplayed and then eventually turning it on. And we heard it in that Sheldon Keefe postgame media availability. We have very terse... Uh, Sheldon Keefe, by the way. Well, we thought it. We thought he changed because they because they uh, won a couple games and mm. Matthews sc- shot in the back of the net. No, yeah. he's still the same guy. I I think actually not that you ever want to lose a hockey game, mm. but this is an opportunity. I think coaches often talk about the fact that hey, it's harder to 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 really coach your team when you're playing poorly but picking up the two points. When you lose a hockey game playing the same way, it's much easier to drive some of the messaging home. So th- I'm sure there's an element of that with Sheldon Keefe. But he said it. it's like we've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. And it's 82 regular season games, right? I, it's it's hard for me to come down too hard on game three after you do start out with four points in the mm-hmm. first two games. But this is part of the Leafs' DNA that 
And and Chicago's off to a decent start, and obviously that's a pretty defensively responsible team. That's why we talked about the under in that mm-hmm. hockey game, which was very prescient. Look how smart we are. Um, but yeah, that that's that's a hockey team that finished thirtieth in the NHL in points a season ago. And while they're maybe improved, and they have a a, a great young up and coming star, yeah, you should take care of business on home ice before you go on your longest road trip of the season, a five-gamer, and they didn't, which is something we've seen before from this team. Yeah, and we'll, we'll have a bigger conversation about the goaltending, but, you know, a lot of times when you when you point to that, you can say, okay, well, you know, they weren't at their best, and then the, the squeaker went through early, and it was one. That wasn't the case. There were no squeakers early. No. Joe Wall played really, really so well good. in that game, and again, that's a room for a much larger conversation, but normally that's the recipe there. That is a team, and again, yes, the Blackhawks are improved, especially at the kind of high-end stuff they've added. Obviously, the biggest in Bedard, but even just the ancillary pieces of mm-hmm. Taylor Hall, Corey Perry saw how important he was he was last night. They have improved, but that is a team that you should be able to beat with your C game, with just the two, where the two places are in their organization kind of life cycle right now. The Leafs should be able to kind of roll out of bed and even playing that way, be able to take care of business. And, you know, there were there was some moments where it was just the Blackhawks taking it to them and you do have to tip your cap a little bit. But there were a lot of old Leaf problems that, that reared their ugly head again. I mean, second periods were so good for them last year. But you know what also was a problem for them? The start of every period. Yeah. And once again, it's, a, it's an odd man rush to start the second period. It is just... They have this problem of starting on time, of They've waking up. They've given up the first goal in all three games. Playing now. down to their opponent. However you want to state it, these are all problems we've talked about with this team for three years, four years, five years, six years now. Yeah. And I, again, it's one game. It, you don't want to make a mountain out of this, but these are the things you watch for as the 80 or 79 games we have left in the regular season. All right. See well, how I'm trying to talk it into existence of already being over? It's like, we're already in the 70s, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about Tyler Bertuzzi taking the, the most minor penalties in the National Hockey League to this point? Like, where, where are we on that? Well, part of, okay. Tyler Bertuzzi is not Michael Bunting. They're different players. They mm. occupy the similar role. But part of it, excuse me, part of it was that for everything Michael Bunting did, there was just a body of work and you kind of needed a fresh start with the guy in that spot of the guy always beacon at officials and get not getting calls and then having calls go against him. And that mm. leads... If Tyler Bertuzzi is going to gain a reputation, and look, I don't think you gain a reputation off of two games here, but takes a couple of penalties last night, and that is just going to lead to frustration. He does have a goal. He's been on the score sheet, but this is a guy who hasn't quite clicked with that top line the way you He had you some moments, though, yesterday. Doing some, the half wall, keeping had, the puck in the zone. Had some moments. You just you need those to build into something, and I realize Matthews has the, the six goals through the first two games, and you mm-hmm. can't give Bertuzzi no credit for it. I'm not going to give him too much, but... But that's the thing I'm kind of watching for is that is he going to be someone who has a bit of a and look, there were high stick penalties last night. This isn't a reputation thing like half or at least at least half of his penalties have been stick penalties. Well, and if that's a guy, if that's part of your game and you have a reputation for it, you're supposed to get calls going the other way as well. That's kind of part of being the greasy guy. And that's Mm -hmm. something I'm, I'm kind of watching for because we've seen this movie before in Toronto. I mean, we all go back to Michael Bunting. How many conversations do we have about Nazem Kadri about not getting calls and arguing with the refs and being targeted by officials and I just don't want it to become a thing with Bertuzzi. I don't think it is off of one game, but something to watch for. If that starts to if that starts to tumble or snowball and build momentum there, and then he is unable to get the counting stats. Because again, it, he's had moments they're looking there, but you want to have the counting stats to show for it. It's just something I'm kind of mindful with for, for Bertuzzi there. Yeah, I, I don't I, I think I'm bullish on that top line with Todd Bertuzzi on it, or uh, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Man, that's the first time I've done that. If they could get that would be Time good. Machine Todd. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> um, you want to do uh, some positives or negatives? Like, do you want to do like the wall discussion? I think is maybe mm-hmm. the biggest positive you can take out of the hockey game. Far and away, that first period, five high danger chances yep. against five on five, uh, and he set them all aside. Allowed the Leafs to grow into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for him, they didn't grow into it enough. But no. I mean, if we're we're just we're judging on I mean, there is also a statistical argument for this, but like mm-hmm. who's been the better goaltender? It's not close, right? And it's it's a different opponent. I get it. But it's not like, okay, the Montreal Canadiens and Minnesota Wild are are some I- iconic, you know, Stanley <laughs> Cup contenders. No. No. Um the Chicago Blackhawks played pretty well and he had like again, I test first period. 
Joe Wall was the reason it went into the second absolutely scoreless. Uh, we'll have a discussion later on about who gets the start mm-hmm. on Thursday in Florida against the Panthers. But, okay, my scorecard has Joe Wall pretty firmly in the lead here as, as far as who is the most reliable goaltender of the, of the tandem the Leafs have going into this season. Yeah, I don't totally understand how UFC and boxing judges work, but I'm going to go 10-7 after the first can round. Can have a 10-7? I think it's like 10-8. No, well, why can't it be 7? Why I, can't I, I make Samsonov worse? Why okay. does it have to be so <laughs> All close? Right. Okay. All right, new 11, rules. Eight. No, I think it's capped at 10. I do not think you can go beyond that. I'm 12-5. Okay, now you're now you're being ridiculous, Ben. But honestly, if you just look at it, Sam, Samsonov, and this isn't to pour dirt on the guy. This isn't to say, oh, no, it's a clear Joe Wall's the starter or Samsonov's back. Far from it. You need a body of work from these guys. I think you need... I think we're going to be 20 games into the season before we really have a firm grasp on this. I think it may seem like somebody takes a firm grasp and then someone's going to stub their toe because that's how I think it's going to go for both mm-hmm. of these guys this year. And this isn't to say that I think Joe Wall has, is going to grab the net. It's entirely possible that he does. But that is massive to just have a goaltender because this is the whole thing we talked about with Sam Snob and Murray last year. You don't need them both to be right, great at somebody. any given time. Just cover each other off. Go on vacation for two weeks at a time for all I care. Just make sure one guy is locked in at any given moment. And I think you're seeing that again. It was one start, but that would be the case with what you saw at a wall last night. So that that's how I look at it. And again, it's there is there's a long time or at least a 10, 15 game sample size before I think we have a a firm grasp one way or another. But I mean, you were, you were getting mad at me that I wanted to start wall on Saturday night. And now you're looking at me. I think that you're saying walls it's walls net. No, you have to give Samsonov the opportunity to bounce back on Saturday, which they did. He didn't, he, he looked pretty similar uh, in the mm-hmm. game against the Minnesota wild. So. Then he did. I mean, there were some saves in the, in the third period, but just in an overall sense was, was not great. Um, and, and you, Okay. You get the benefit of the doubt being the goaltender that was in the net for the six games against the Tampa Bay Lightning, your first postseason series victory in 20-plus years. So, yeah, you don't immediately flip the switch to the other guy. Mm -hmm. But now Joe Wall has shown you something. And I think the conversation uh, must have been going into this season that, yeah, okay, Samsonov has, has earned the trust to be one. A 1A, mm-hmm. the possibility very much exists for, for Joe Wall to, to rack up a bunch of starts. Now, to your point about one guy needing to at least show you something, Joseph Wall not only has a very limited sample just in professional hockey, mm-hmm. but he's also had a very limited sample of remaining healthy. Like, guys yes. never started 40 games before in a season his entire career. Like, this is not a guy that I, I think you can bank on shouldering a number one workload. So yeah, it's going to come back around to Samsonov, but I, I, I don't know why you would go away from him on Thursday. I think you kind of got to ride the hot hand here. If this is a meritocracy at all, and maybe it's not, maybe it is a, Hey, we get a longer a sample of, uh, of one guy getting an opportunity to be the number one. And then the, the other guy being the backup. But if we're, we're going on, on, Short body of work this season. It's Joe Wall on Thursday. Yeah, short body of work. Joe Wall gets it. I think the other thing that plays into this is look at just the, I mean, we'll just look at the next two games. You got the Panthers on Thursday. You got the Lightning on Saturday. I'm not going to say that's a coin flip, but I don't know. You tell me the Panthers are more dangerous. You tell me the Lightning are more dangerous. Mm. I'll take six of six of one, half dozen of the other there. So I don't think it matters how you kind of split it up there. I do think you're going to look at a split. Although I think you got to go to Wall with the understanding that Outside of him stealing the net again in that game, you're going to go back to Samsonov on Saturday. That's kind of the way I I would handle things. But I think the other part of this that you also have to look at is, and this is the confounding part of the Leafs, is that normally, you know, and it's too early in the season for this, but when you have a goaltending tandem like this, I would be looking for the soft spot for Samsonov. Like, okay, what's the get right game? The problem is you cannot do that with this team. The get right game has to be, against, I don't know who the 27 Yankees of hockey are, right, but that's because... what it has to be. Because if you play them against the lowly Blackhawks, right. who are going to be terrible again this year, although yeah. maybe not, they're going to have a game that looks like that. 
And if you tell them it's for the president's trophy against the Bruins from last year, guess mm-hmm. what? They're going to play a one nothing game where they allow four shots on goal. So that's the other confounding part of this is what is the get right game for a goaltender <laughs> with this team? Is it the better team with yeah. more dangerous offensive talent? Yeah, well, they haven't played the 27 Yankees yet, yeah. right? In the two starts that he had against the Minnesota Wild and the Montreal Canadiens, I, I, I don't no. think people have high expectations for either of those teams. So, no, definitely not. I uh, mean, the Wild, the Wild are your classic respectable team. Sure. That's fine. The Canadians stink, mm-hmm. and the Blackhawks are what they are, a fun team with some upside, but you, you just on structure and talent alone should have won that game going away. Um, we'll get back to the, the goalies later on in the, in the program. Corey Perry scores again against the Toronto Maple Leafs. This guy, every time, every, do we, okay, I know this is like, this is in-house, in-house crime here, but like, do we have to show John Tavares getting need in the head every time I see Corey Perry's face in an opposing jersey? I think we, I personally, Uh, myself, have not forgot about that. I'm good. I remember it. I, every time I see his face, I think about it. So maybe we don't need to go there. Of all the things we get on Dubis for, mm-hmm. and I use the royal we as in you all, because I was the guy who soft-pedaled the criticism the most, okay? Mm-hmm. The the cadre trade, the taking blame when it wasn't his fault, not taking blame when it was whatever, all the stuff you got mad about. That is the one that is the most, I won't say the most undefensible, but has had, honest to goodness, the most lasting impact on this Leaf team. Not only has Corey Perry, and for those of you who don't know, the understanding was that Corey Perry very open to coming to Toronto when I think it was before he signed with Montreal all the way back in that Canadian bubble. A long time ago, Corey Perry had interest. The Leafs have, think about all the guys they brought in. Patrick Marlowe, Joe Thornton, all these veteran leader types, and the one guy who is actually proved of that group to be a consistent cog on winning and important teams is Perry. Imagine what this Leafs team would have looked like if you had Corey Perry at 900 grand or whatever it is he makes on the fourth line for the last three seasons. And it's not just what he would have given to you. It's what he wouldn't have given to the Bolts. It's what he wouldn't have given to Montreal. It is is such a bad miss. And I cannot believe that it is still taunting us half a decade later. And think about how old Corey Perry is. He is the perfect rat. It is... I, I... commend how much I hate him. Mm-hmm. It is just, he is so good at what he does. And I cannot believe the Leafs missed out on that. However, many moons ago. Yeah. Uh, as much as you like Ryan Reeves and I do. And yeah, okay, oh, I you wish you love him talking to Perry. Yeah. And he's right. Yeah. Corey Perry's not going to back it up. Like Corey Perry's not going to fight Ryan Reeves. Like pretty clearly. Oh, Noah Gregor though. He would have gladly yeah. taken that one. <laughs> yes, he would have. And the Leafs uh, now lead the national hockey league in fighting majors three. You kind of want to talk about that in a after, sec, but we'll stick on three this. games. Yeah, no, the, the Corey Perry is definitely playing in the postseason for this Leafs team. If he was in the Ryan Reeves role, it's like this is a guy that scored 19 goals a couple of seasons ago. Like he's double digit goal scorer. He is. He's still contributing. And to your point, I mean, look at the guys that have cycled through that that role of veteran leader, guy that's taking less to be on a team that uh, he expects to be a contender. That 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 could have been Corey Perry, and and yeah, you wouldn't have had to face him the number of times that well, you've had to face him over the last half decade. And not only that, but what is you know we try to bring so it was John Tavares comes in. Obviously, that's a bigger picture thing, but a lot of it was okay. You now have your serious leader guy mm-hmm. in the room. Okay, that didn't work. Joe Thornton come in. Hey, happy go lucky, whatever. Okay, Patrick Marlowe, maybe a little more balance between the two. The one thing that they have been trying forever to graft on to this Leafs core, and, you know, we've talked about it with Bertuzzi this year, we've talked about it with Reeves, is exactly that element. And I'm not saying that Austin Matthews would have turned into Corey Perry if you would have had him here for the last five years, but that is the one trait that you've been dying for this core to take on this entire time, and the fact that he has it and seems to, not that he turns Connor Bedard into Brad Marchand or anything like that, but he seems to give it to every team he goes to be at the Blackhawks, be at the Lightning, be at those Habs teams, that nastiness, that meanness. And it is the thing we've always wanted this Leaf team to have. And that is why it is just, it's well, such a big miss. And then he gets on a breakaway and he finishes. Of course because he does. Because he's Corey freaking Perry. Yeah. yeah. Heart trophy. Like <laughs> Again, I do wonder how many, not now I, you know, it's like I'm in my 30s. I'm not 72 years old here. But the, the idea of 
How many people, like, yeah, Hart Trophy winner, Corey yeah. Perry. It was so long ago. 50 I think, goal scorer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, scored a massive tuck in our, our country's win in 2010. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, capable of that. Uh, also capable of getting under your skin. And uh, as Big mentioned, uh, another fighting major for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. This time it was uh, Noah Gregor. I'd answer for his sin of uh, of a a hit on a guy that was like going down. Like it was it was. Nikita Zaitsev awkward... played here. Yeah, we know I, he does that. Yeah, he was he was he kind of toe picked and fell down on his own. And yeah, it was an awkward looking hit and looked bad in the moment. But yeah, you upon <laughs> further review. <laughs> Not necessarily a, a dirty one by no. Noah Gregor, but okay, answered answered the bell, and all of a sudden, this this Leafs team, um, with a, a very rough and tumble fourth line headlined by Ryan Reeves, has three fighting majors through the first three games to lead the National Hockey League. So I don't, I'm not saying that Noah Gregor. Let's just say you know it's sliding doors, and Ryan Reeves isn't here. I'm not saying Noah Gregor doesn't take that fight. But I don't know that the Blackhawks are so worked up mm. if Ryan Reeves isn't in the game. And I, I want to be clear. I'm sure some people hear me say that and go, oh, my God, because of Ryan Reeves, Noah Gregor had to fight. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's great that he brings up the temperature of these games. Regular season's long. Regular season can be sleepy. Playoff games are the exact opposite. And so often we talk about dress rehearsals and just sleepwalking through the regular season. And you don't want every night to turn into, you know, a three and a half hour game because there's 15 fights or anything like that. But I think it's good for this team that clearly Ryan Reeves, just by existing, raises the temperature of these games. And is it going to work out in the least favor all the time? No, there's definitely going to be some games that look like Matthew Kachuk punching Mitch Marner in the face and him going, okay. At the, at the end of the playoffs last year, there are going to be some games that look like that, but I think it will bode well for this team. And, you know, I think it's, I don't think it's one thing. I think they are, they are a little different because they got over the hump last year, but I think being in more games that have a, I don't want to say playoff feel because that wasn't a playoff feel last night, but that have that animosity that have that temperature. I think it can only bode well for them as they, as they kind of get ready for the playoffs. Cause again, they want, they should go out. They should win the Atlantic. Matthew should get a 60, yada, 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 Marner. Maybe one day he'll actually get a hundred points. Yeah, but we all know what this is about. And I do think games like that, I don't want to overstate it, but just kind of help mold the Leafs in a better way. Yeah. And uh, to remind them that um, it it gets their attention, at least uh, over the course of an 82 game regular season where they will be judged only on postseason performance. So um, the the Toronto Maple Leafs have given up a bunch of goals uh, so far this season. 14, I believe. Yeah, there's been a, 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 and part of that is and yeah, goaltending. Part of that is the the blue line, which got a little bit of a shuffle in the latter portion mm-hmm. of the game. As as John Klingberg found himself next to Mark Giordano and Jake McCabe down with Timothy Lilligren. Speaking of McCabe, he and William Nylander are your National Hockey League leaders on five on five goals against in which they've been on the ice. Now, John Klingberg's, uh, John Klingberg's only one back. He's been on the ice for five goals against. Like, what are your early returns on this blue line that I think we all agree is going to look very different after the trade deadline? But yeah, trying to get by uh, until that point. Uh, well, I mean, it looks kind of like we all were worried that it might look. I mean, there are moments that you look at and say, okay, that's not going to happen again. We go back to the Brody just completely falling on his butt in the first game of the season. But, you know, John Klingberg is going to – You got there's bad pinch last night. It didn't result in the goal against. Yeah. So actually, there might have been one that did, but the one I'm thinking of didn't result in the goal against. Guess what? John Klingberg is going to have some bad pinches at the blue line because that's what he's there to do. Whether you think he should be there to do that or not – they signed him to be who he's always been. That's part of his game. What do we talk about? The poise, the ability to hold the and puck, walk the line. And he had some nifty line. passes, especially it, in the offensive zone, cross ice. For sure. He giveth, he taketh away. Like, yeah. that is what he is as a player. If he, if John Klingberg could do all the things he did and didn't have those gaffes, <laughs> he'd be Victor Hedman, okay? Yeah. So, yes, there's a reason the Leafs got him for one year at 4-1 or whatever the, the deal was. It's the same thing we say about Max Domi. Yes, if Max Domi was a defensively responsible two-way center, he'd make $9 million a year and the Leafs wouldn't have got him on, on that deal. So these players are what they are, but I think that it's exactly the problems we envisioned. I mean, Giordano has been the least of the bunch, but I don't think it's going to get better as the season, or he's been the least of their problems, I should say, but it's not going to get better as the year goes on for a guy into his 40s. Timothy Lilligren, we continue to do the thing where we say, okay, if the decor is going to get better, he's almost the, the Fraser Minton, Matthew Nyes of the decor. 
of. Okay, that's it. There's no room for internal growth outside of this guy here. So please get better. Can you take a leap? <laughs> and you have moments where you see it, but you have moments where he looks like a guy who is a kind of three, four, kind of five, six at any given time. And then Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, we've been, we've done this dance for however long TJ Brody's been here, four years now. They are what they are as a pair. So I think we talk about the defense and yes, of course the blue line has to wear a lot of it, but this is also not the same button down lease group that we saw from the forward group as well. So it's just, it is, it is a lack of defensive prowess from the players on the roster. That's part of it, but it is also a lack of attention to details for sure. I, I've i come off my position of John Klingberg is going to be the whipping boy of this group because I, th- I think you're right in that the, there are defensive issues, obviously, that could have been predicted, but he's going to produce, right? Like he's going to be, well, one, he's going to be on the number one power play mm-hmm. unit, so the points are going to be there for him. And I, I think maybe not in a mathematical sense that the 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 offensive positives outweigh the defensive negatives mm-hmm. but it, there's going to be a, test. there's there's going to be a statistical argument for that. I think Jake McCabe is 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 rising the ranks of of potential um a potential whipping boys mm-hmm. if if this continues to to look like a, a very leaky blue line and we'll we'll see what what the pairings look like on Thursday. You look like you disagree. No, I just I just had a thought that the thing that I think would save McCabe from being the whipping boy mm. is, and it works out bad, I don't know, 35% of the time, but the big pinch for the big hit, that normally gets people on board. And I think on a on any other iteration of this Leafs team would go, ah, come on, blows up people twice a night. How am I going to get mad at that? But Ryan Reeves is here. Yeah. And Tyler Bertuzzi's here. And Max Domi is here and Austin Matthews got into a scrum. And if this is just the Leafs team that has more of that up and down the lineup, I think the thing that would have saved McCabe from being the whipping boy was that he had that physical element to his game. But if it is not before, he was the one physical guy and you went, oh my God, we cannot be mad at Jake McCabe. He actually threw a hit. But there's so much more of that on this Leafs team that I think it actually lends credence to your argument. Like, I thought that would be the one thing yeah. saving them, but there's so much more of it there that I, I think it, it lends credence to your argument. Yeah, we're still learning about Jake McCabe, too, right? Like, come and again, over. his full name, Jake McCabe, who cost $2 million on the cap. Yeah, and a guy that's been a 20-minute-a-night defenseman before in his career, but never on a good team. Like, never on a team with expectations, never on a team that's credible in any sense. That Played had his first any playoff chance. game last year. Like, yeah. it's, yeah, I think we're, we're starting to learn that the the player um i guess in name is is a top four defenseman he might be out of its his depth in in that role for a team again we're, we're talking about the blue line right now uh that is going to look mm-hmm. i think very different at at the trade deadline but that's to me it's it's going to be tough to, to be a credible stanley cup contender with jake mccabe playing top four minutes jake mccabe to me is and we usually think about this with a guy more like klingberg but you need the safe partner for him. Mm-hmm. Jake McCabe is a guy who he is not so, well, the duh goes without saying, he is not such a transcendent player that it doesn't matter what's around him, he will make it work. No, he is like a lot of people in the NHL or in all walks of life that need to be put in a good situation. And then I do believe he can, if not thrive, I don't know, is Excel less than thriving? I don't know. But he can I don't know. We'll quibble about debate. that. And it's yeah. a great it's a great debate. We'll get to that by the by the end of the week. Embrace debate. Yeah, embrace debate. Have to. But I think that the on a team that can give him a you know, let's just Mark Giordano's here. Let's just go back in a time machine five years ago, Gio. And it's like, he is the steady guy. And McCabe gets to do his pinch and look for the big hit. And Gio's back there and it's going to be okay. Then it makes sense. But when he's paired up with John Klingberg. Yeah, it doesn't make it. Doesn't make sense. sense. Or quite frankly, when they flipped it last night and it's okay, you go play with Lilligren. Like, okay, that doesn't make a ton of sense either. Cause Lilligren's caught in the middle between both those worlds. And I like We're the running player. out of combinations. This is the problem here is that Jake, I, the, what I'm trying to say here is that I don't think Jake McCabe is some piece that it's impossible to fit in the puzzle, mm-hmm. but you just have to be very careful about where you fit him in. And I think that for a two, if he ends up being on your third pair, $2 million for a third pair yeah, defenseman. That's fine. that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. But you need guys Top above four. him. That's the problem. Top four is a problem. Um, do, do Connor Bedard's parents follow him to Denver now? Because they, they wrap up this road trip against the Avalanche on dad. Thursday. Yeah, he's going. He looks like either of us would look, you the, would think. I, like, look, does his mom care? For sure. Yeah. Does his sister care? For uh-huh. sure. Yeah. I guess. Fine. Why not? <laughs> but 
That dad is so locked in. They showed one shot last night, and the mom's like, oh, darn. He yeah. didn't get it. And the dad's like, yeah, bum. Shut well. up. <laughs> and we'll see what, what it looks like when he goes to his hometown of Vancouver against the Canucks. But he, he, And Connor Bedard wants to score in every game. But, like, the stick slam against the yes. wall after the post, like, that was, was great. I, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. He's wired. He's a, like he's a serial killer winner guy. I, I took like I I'm taking far too much out of a three minute feature that of all people the journalist Colby Armstrong put together. But that guy's babysit. I just I can't unsee it now. Bedard and I really think he is. Is they're just wired so similarly. Yep. And I heard Colby with Bunk yesterday, and he said it. So there, yeah. I must be right. <laughs> well. And uh, for a team that was 30th in the NHL in points a season ago, off to a nice little two-and-two two start after uh, four road games to start mm-hmm. their season. That road trip not yet concluding for them. Uh, it ends on Thursday again. Do you think uh, – this is a dumb question. I know the answer is yes, but does he remember what his home in Chicago looks like? Probably not. Like, he moved in, you yeah. know, he had training camp. They probably did what the Leafs do and go to whatever their equivalent of Gravenhurst is yeah. in Chicago. And he was he's going to get there and go, oh, where'd I – we're going to put the forks here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? To the whole road trip of it all, we, we talked about Fraser Minton. How many games left does he mm. have as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs? I, I, like, he got on the bird, right? Like, he's yep. he's in Florida right now. So <laughs> let him go to the airport. And yeah. Go, Fraser, your plane's over there. You're, <laughs> yeah. going back to, you're going back to Kelowna. So at least it, it looks like he's going to play. Uh, yeah, he's going to play uh, on Thursday against the defending Eastern Conference champion, uh, Florida Panthers. Oh God, can't. Bl- I, it's true. You have. Yeah. To, well, I mean, you didn't have to say it, but it is true. Just, just breaks my brain every time I remember that. Mm-hmm. God, uh, they picked up a victory yesterday. All right, you know who else picked up a victory yesterday? The Texas Rangers, because that's all they've done this postseason is win. They barely trailed in any baseball games. They look like the team of destiny in the ALCS, and Bryce Harper looks like the most dangerous man on planet Earth. We'll get into uh, the baseball side of things, also. The Monday Nighter featured uh, a couple of narrative, That's a hot narrative game, baby. Narrative laden uh, football teams and a couple of head coaches that are the Spider Man meme. All right, that and more coming up as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Addis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Show Sports Night 590 the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. In baseball, it's supposed to be momentum's only as good as the next day's starter. I, d- I want to be clear, do not subscribe. What what do you subscribe to? That it doesn't exist at all? Or no, that- Mo matters is what oh. I what I believe in. And yeah, guess what? If a guy's on the hill and momentum can carry him, I do believe in momentum in baseball. I do. It's tough, though, because the Rangers finished the regular season losing four of their final six, including the last game of the season against mm-hmm. a Mariners team that was home and cooled out and eliminated. Mm-hmm. And, and that final game I remember this. allowed them to fall into the wild card round and out of the division lead Good thing and for them. extended their road trip. They didn't get to go home. Uh and, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks also lost the final four games of the regular season. And here they they find themselves, although down one nothing in the National League Championship Series. But at this point, despite being the sixth wild card um, or sixth playoff team in the National League, th- this Rangers team at times looked like this was possible, but not to wrap up the regular season. And could there have been a more disappointing way to wrap it up than the way they did? And now they find themselves... <laughs> Up 2-0 against the defending champions winning two straight games on the road. Like, So I guess you can have the, the momentum conversation about it building during. Exactly. The, okay, yeah, I guess. That's it. Yeah. All right. So what happened to the final game they, of the regular season, the 4-6 to, to wrap up the, the regular season? Well, it's just a fresh start. Oh, New okay. season. <laughs> Postseason. Literally right. says post in there. So yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's my belief in momentum is that when I see it, I will subscribe positive things to it. And if it doesn't work out, it's like, well, it's not perfect. Yeah. doesn't mean momentum always matters, but I do believe in it a little. You know what matters more to me, Brent? Hitting. Well, that. Yeah, scoring more runs than your opponent. You got to say it like that. No G. Apostrophe after the N. Hitting. Yeah. Well, and you know who probably calls it hitting? Uh, it's Bruce Bochy. I I believe in a manager having. I love this. The autonomy. You've been on this 
from the jump. Yeah, the, well, the two oldest managers in baseball being still alive at yeah. this point in the postseason. Oh, just, I thought you were just congratulating them. Yeah. Not, not for their baseball exploits, just on making it. But yeah, yeah. they're also alive in the postseason. Yeah, yes. they very much are. And, and Bruce Bochy's team finds themselves now two victories away from the World Series. And, okay, we could have a different conversation, obviously, if that fifth inning goes very differently, where Nate Avaldi ends up in a bases-loaded, none-out situation. And instead of going to a bullpen that is... It, it's... it's um performed very well during the postseason, but if you were evaluating what the Achilles heel of the Texas Rangers might be in the playoffs, is the bullpen. Can I just say the word that jumped into my head? Yeah. Sketchy. That's yeah. that's what I would describe their bullpen as. Yeah, it's sketchy, and and Raldis Chapman had, yeah, the 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 ball go off the bat of yeah. uh, Alex Bregman in game one that I had an expected batting average <laughs> of 640, but ended up in a glove and ended up a double play, so they've taken advantage of maybe some uh, fortuitous uh uh, bounces of the the baseball, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's that's a situation where it looks like maybe the starters unraveling instead of going to that bullpen. He lets the guy who's got a bit of a track record himself, Boy, and Nate Evaldi hasn't been perfect throughout his postseason career, but he's been pretty damn good. And go back to that World Series Red Sox Dodgers where he came in in extra innings yep. and threw. Six innings, incredible. giving up just one earned run and ends up taking the loss, but was like hugely yes. important oh, to that saved Red Sox the pen team. And oh. allowed them to go win that series afterwards, yeah. And this is his third consecutive start in the postseason for the Rangers of going at least six innings. Hey, but looked like it was not going to be his night. Mm-hmm. Instead of going to the bullpen, where maybe a different manager who had not been through the wars or did not have the equity of the World Series that Bruce Bochy does makes a different decision instead he sticks with Evaldi and he gets the rookie to strike out he gets Jose Altuve to strike out and and ends up getting out of that inning not giving up one run giving up no runs it's also like it is informative for Blue Jays fans that that watch the Blue Jays fail time and time again in those situations mm-hmm. that's not just the Jays that right is sometimes failed to come through in bases loaded and not out situations but he he lets Evaldi work himself out of it and ends up with the the victory in a in a one run baseball game, and the first two games of the series have been great, uh, and the Rangers head home with the chance to close out this series. Yeah, I think the interesting part of it is that you know you mentioned the equity there in the World Series and the fact that he has been brought in to make decisions. He's not there to to just hold the car keys and open the door, right? He's there to actually drive the bus and make decisions, and it just goes back to the philosoph or the philosophy of a front office, right? When they would have hired Bruce Bochy to be the manager, these are all part and parcel of the conversations is that they don't want a guy, excuse me, they don't want a guy who is just going to do exactly what their plan is. They want a guy who has been and in these moments Bochy's and made maybe decisions. not taking the job if he's not allowed to make not a decision even like close. that. And that's what I'm getting at here is the idea that they clearly feel differently about the role of a manager. And yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it to say it's a completely different planet, but I don't know. It feels like at the very least different hemispheres of the same one in terms of the way they look at it, because you can't tell me that the Blue Jays view a manager's job the same way as the Rangers do, because I don't think they would have hired a guy like Bochy. And to your point, wouldn't have taken the gig, I don't think. Yeah, and we're playing the results, but that's the way it works in sports, right? Like the the victors get the well, right he, he history. He would have worn it. Yeah, we would be sitting here going, "Hey, you know what? Bucci's been through, or uh, the Bucci's been through the wars. He gets to make these calls." But boy, that was a bad one last night. We would be doing mm-hmm. that. We'd play the results on the other side as well. And and part of it, yeah. Again, I have to come back around to the fact that the Rangers do not have this elite bullpen. They don't have the Blue Jays bullpen, honestly. No, they they, they do not. So their options get limited. The circle of trust is very short at the back end of that bullpen. And if you bring relievers in in the fifth inning, that's a lot of innings to cover yeah. against the defending World Series champions. So that definitely goes into it. But it's it just, it, it did feel in stark contrast to what we saw from the Blue Jays. And again, this is, you talk about Bruce Bochy's yeah, You know equity. who else, just sorry, I know you're going, you know who else isn't a proven bullpen arm? You say Kikuchi. So right. just yeah. to throw that in there. Well, and you have the equity of winning game one as well and, and already being not satisfied. Five with Five game this. series, all this stuff, right? Yeah. Well, this is a seven game series. Or, sorry. Yep. Once we get to the championship series and Max Scherz are now starting in game three uh, for that Rangers team, uh, which looks like, again, team of destiny right now against the defending World Series champs. By the way, 
this, this stood out to me, and I and it's just a number of games played thing, I guess. But like, little Jose Altuve, second in Major League Baseball in postseason home runs with 24 behind Manny Ramirez. That that's that's it. Like he's five behind Manny Ramirez is 29. Jose Altuve has 24 in, in his postseason career. That's nuts. If you, I mean, like I knew this because it was going around a bit last night. But if you would have just told me that heading into it, the the guys from this era, I would have guessed before him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it'd be a list 30 guys long just because that'd be a lot of Astros and Dodgers given how many games those guys have played. But yeah, it's it's nuts to think of. I mean, obviously part of this is expanded playoffs. The, yeah. There was no playoffs for, for a long chunk of baseball. It was, all right, congrats, World Series, go. So obviously that plays into it. That's why it's Manny that's there and not, you know, names from way, way beyond. But it's incredible. How can you not tip your cap? I mean... Obviously, a little bit of it is how can you not have it colored by all the stuff with the cans and the buzzer or whatever may or may not have been happening there. I think that's the part of it is that, you know, they stamped at home. They got the title without it. So that part of it is washed away. But when you mm-hmm. look at counting stats in the postseason, how can it not? Yeah. And and a big home run against the Raldis Chapman in an American League Championship Series that, yeah. Yeah, may have been aided. It is still the funniest thing. I got a tattoo, guys. Yeah. I mean, never has there been a, a more dubious explanation for why a guy did something in Major League history, I think. Uh, it's up there. Yeah, Phillies continue to roll. You talk about momentum, a, a team that, listen, didn't sneak in the way they did a season ago. That's the Diamondbacks this year. Uh, what the Phillies were last year, being the last team in to the National League wildcard picture and making it all the way to the World Series. They won 90 games this year, but never had a chance to to catch the Braves mm-hmm. in the NL East. And now they've turned into, I, I mean, the odds on favorite, obviously, going into this series to, to return to the World Series. But, like, the most entertaining team by a factor of, like, five uh, that is still playing in the postseason. I didn't see Frank Saravelli there I didn't at see Citizens Bank, but... It was electric. Like, uh, okay, part of it is the players are entertaining, but part of it is also just the city of Philadelphia and how they've seemingly gotten behind this baseball team. That is, it is a nonstop thrill ride to watch that Phillies team right now. It is. I also think it, uh, we're having the conversation about momentum, and I don't actually believe in this, but I kind of do. You know, cities just have moments sometimes, right? And I know the Eagles' frustrating loss this weekend, and they didn't get it done in the Super Bowl, but the Eagles feel like the most perfect football machine. Say what you will about the Sixers and all of the heartbreak that it's followed, but it's like they have had a successful run. I think there's just something to the idea that when fans in a city are used to the idea of at least some level of success, this is how they act around it we have had this conversation for so many times about least playoff games or jay's playoff games of why does that place feel that way and it's because well the people go to both those games and they end up the exact same way more times than not so i think that that is part and parcel what it, what's going on there but it, it's also the brand of baseball that they play how can you not love kyle schwarber mashing bombs and bryce harper uh-huh. playing like his hair's on fire and castellanos it just it, he hits the four homers in two games there in the last series. It, how can you not love this team? The big personalities. It is. It is honestly. I, I. I. I think I've already given this comparison, but I'll go back to it. Is that I can't remember a team in a sport that people have kind of just adopted to a certain extent. Honestly, like I kind of go. And again, it's like terrible comparison because I've given everything that happened after or during the time, but. It's the Blackhawks, Taves, and Kane of the last yeah. time people went, wow, I just love this thing from the outside. I wish I could be a part of it. Uh, there's no more feared hitter than Bryce Harper right now. Um, God, he's so good. For the postseason, now hitting 409 with a 567 on base and a 955 <laughs> slug. Uh, hits the home run early in the baseball game in the first inning and then comes up in an RBI spot in the third inning in which, you know, first base is open. I think everybody watching that baseball game is thinking – the, the Diamondbacks are going to walk him. I thought they were. Uh, throw him a first pitch, breaking ball, like, in on his hand. Mm-hmm. Like, you, it, if you're not going to give Bryce Harper a strike, you get you got to give him four wide ones. You mm-hmm. have to put him on first base because he anything near the strike zone he's capable of yeah. putting into the outfield, and he did uh, for an RBI base hit scoring Trey Turner. Now, he's like, he's can't change the channel stuff when he's at the plate right now. His approval rating is just we get to a certain place with with these guys. And again, like, you know, outside of Atlanta and I guess now 
Arizona, although I just have a hard time picturing people in Arizona. I, I, I have a very easy time get, seeing them getting worked up about a lot, just sports. It, it's kind of hard for me to, to envision there. But yeah, it's like outside of those markets, he is that dude. I, you know, I've made the made the thing uh, the point before about the thing that impresses me the most about him is that he's had this mantle since he was 16 years old and it kind of felt for a minute like he was going to fall a little bit short of that and you know is he Mike Trout is he Shohei Otani no but guess what he's a thousand times better than both well, those guys when it actually matters so yeah well that's I mean if you ask just a um not a baseball hardo but a casual a casual a baseball fan. fan I think Who's just sports the better fan, honestly yeah, and you wouldn't be correct because Mike Trout has had the greatest individual regular seasons that we've ever seen in the history of the sport. But yep. who's going to finish their career with the more lasting legacy if, if Bryce Harper ends up close. being the centerpiece of this this Phillies team that wins a World Series? Again, he was not on that Nationals team. People do give him credit for that somehow. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's – it's. Uh, I, I think it's – the reason why Mike Trout should be thinking long and hard about waiving that no tr- trade protection if the Angels come to him this offseason. No trade protection. I would be I would be trying to negotiate. I'd be giving back money to turn it into a trade me clause yeah. is what I'd be doing if I were Mike, Mike Trout. Yeah. Not my money, though. So The Angels could, could very much be in a rebuild mode. Um, all right. Uh, Monday Nighter caps off the Cowboys holding on for a 20-17 victory over the, the Chargers. Micah Parsons coming up with his mm-hmm. first sack of the game in a very opportune situation right before the game ending interception. Okay. The, the, the Cowboys are four and two and, and still, I guess very much in the conversation in the NFC, the chargers are who I think we thought they were uh, at two and three and Brandon Staley remains on the hot seat. It's incredible how, well, one Mike McCarthy won a super bowl, right? Yeah. But two, how similar those two teams appear. Mm. Like and 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 maybe for me it just starts the head coaching position, uh, and if the if the Cowboys don't perform in the postseason, Mike McCarthy might find himself with the same fate as Brandon Staley. But yeah, that those are two teams with a ton of talent that have underwhelmed uh, in the regular season, and then for the Cowboys in the postseason. I mean, Chargers as well in the postseason. You go back to that right. loss they had last year, where they don't get a point in the second half or or near shutout, and Trevor Lawrence does what what he does there, and. You know, I I think I have to start this conversation by killing Herbert. If that game was on the exact, like if that just swapped the jerseys and it ends the exact opposite way, I would be murdering Dak for throwing that pick in that spot. And that is the thing that just frustrates me to no end uh, about Herbert is that this is a guy who is supposed to be, and I see it, I want him in that conversation with Mahomes and Josh Allen and whoever Lamar Jackson, whoever else you want to put in that. But he just has too many moments like that. And I think that part of the problem with evaluating him, and it'll be great to talk to Peter King about this, is that to your point about the coaching, we go, ah, well, he's got Staley there. It's an unserious group. Well, he's supposed to have Kellen Moore now, who, funnily yeah. enough, was the Cowboys OC last year. And it was it was actually very jarring to me how similar the camera shots looked from last year. I just remember the amount of Cowboys games where it's, uh, no more McCarthy. Let's show some Kellen Moore. Uh, it's a little more of a stabilizing face for the fan base here. But that is the thing that I just took out of that game is that I want to sit here and blame Staley and the infrastructure around them. But you cannot throw that pick in that spot. I'm not saying you have to go win the game with a touchdown drive. Cowboys defense is good. If you come up short, I'm not going to murder you for it in that spot, but you have to give your team a chance. You cannot throw that pick in that spot. And it is so frustrating that Herbert has had, he's had great moments on Mm -hmm. the other side of things. He's had a ton of game winning drives, but man, he's had too many moments like that as well. Dude. And and, I mean, he and Tua are going to be extricably linked because of where they were selected Mm -hmm. in, in the draft. And I think statistically there was no debate that Herbert had gotten off to a better start than Tua and injuries were a part of mm-hmm. it. He just, you know, the counting yep. stats weren't there for Tua. This could be the season, though, where the, the narratives get flipped, especially if the, the Dolphins end up winning the AFC East. Yeah, it's just tough because we go back and we're, I'm just going to, like me as a guy who thinks Herbert is just as talented as every other guy we talk about in the league, I'm going to say, yeah, but... If you give Justin Herbert, Mike McDaniel and Tyreek Hill yeah. and Jalen Waddell and go down the list and all the fastest players in the NFL mm-hmm. with the latest Sean McVay style mad genius, I bet it looks a little different. But I can't say that definitively because it wasn't Brandon Staley who threw that pick last night and it wasn't Kellen Moore. It was yeah. Herbert. So, um, and, and for my money, it's better to 
have somebody try and read your lips than like read the play sheet, which was like the lasting <laughs> image of Mike McCarthy. Putting up, like I don't know what those plays are, but somebody you, does. Somebody does. Not, somebody not has you. The, somebody has the still image of yeah. Here's our plays from at the top of the red zone. Here's our plays from the 17 to the 14, and here's our plays from. Like the goal line, and I, I'm sure there's somebody why, that, that is taking information from that. Why don't, you know, they always have the tablets there for the players. And, like, I'm pretty sure they have a sponsorship deal with the company that gives them the tablets. Yeah. Why don't they just make the coaches call plays off a tablet with a privacy screen on it? Ooh, Would that be the hard? I mean, I don't want it because then I can't make fun of Mike McCarthy for this exact thing here. Yeah. But why not just that? Yeah, why are we still doing laminated menus for, for play sheets? You're right. Like, why yeah. isn't that digitized I now? can't even get that at a restaurant anymore. Yeah. So no, why doesn't true. he have to scan, scan a QR code? Yeah. There, there are no physical menus yeah. anymore. Why, why are we still doing that with the play sheet? Well, I don't know. I, it's probably not the reason why Mike McCarthy decided not to at least take one shot at the end zone at the end of the first half, Probably which was not. insane yes. with nine seconds to go from, like, the, the 17. It. Just he go ahead, wind it. Decided, no, he would forego that, I guess, maybe with a lack of faith in his quarterback wow. that he wasn't going to throw an interception. Like, uh, There's no, I mean, outside of... No, that's the reason. Uh, but, like, who has less faith in their quarterback? Like, the, the list of quarterbacks you wouldn't trust in that situation to at least take one and and be in their ear understanding that, hey, this has to be yep. guaranteed and you, you obviously can't you can't audible to a running play here, even though they well, you could have because they had two timeouts yes. in that moment. But to have that little faith that your quarterback's not going to throw a pick, that you wouldn't at least take a shot at the end zone at the that end is, of the first half is That insane. is less than Brian Dable trusted Tyrod Taylor, mm -hmm. who he hates, I yeah. think it is safe to say, after the way that game ended. And that is way less than Kevin Stefanski was trusting P.J. Walker, who is, I think, yeah. fact check me on this, the 37th on the Browns depth chart for, for quarterback. So It's if, true. If you're not going to trust the guy who... Even even me Browns who trusted PJ Walker a little too much. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. But even me who doesn't like Dak, if you're not going to trust the ninth or eighth best quarterback in the NFL, then what are we doing here? Yeah, what are we doing here? Um, losing, but yeah. they won. I know. So are the Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs are losing a, a hockey game for the first time this season. Head on the road for the first time. A five gamer starting on Thursday. Sheldon Keith. Mm, very pointed in his criticism yesterday. We'll talk about that and uh, who might start in goal on Thursday next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.